Hello and welcome to Let Leeds Slip.com. Third time lucky, you didn't hear the first two, it went all over the place, but now it's and really... I did, Ian. I did hear the first two and they were as good as some of our defending yesterday. Welcome Ange, everybody, there we go. <laughs> and welcome to the Potts Podcast, it's been a very bad week and not, not a lot of good's happened, except well, we found out... there has been one bit of good, Ian. What's one that? bit of good this afternoon that has sort of uh, kept me going over what's been a very dismal week, as you say, and that was my new London club, Queen's Park Rangers, managed to win at the mighty Luton, um, and I'm just ecstatic how sad's that. I know it's it's getting bad when we're now trying to get results against Luton. <laughs> I mean, who are Luton? <laughs> uh, right, so before we go into anything else, we've got a lot to discuss. There's going to be a bit of a mention about the women this week as well because it's, it seems like there's disarray there, not just with the men's, it's the women's now. But before we go any further, we're going to have to talk about Barnsley. I was so close to getting the predictions right on both this week, weren't I? But you didn't. I didn't on both, obviously, because I expected Barnsley to win 1-0 and Peterborough to, well, us to beat Peterborough 3-2, which nearly happened. <laughs> so that's why I was very close, but it didn't come in. Yeah, so if let's... the referee hadn't have just decided that you can't have three penalties in one match, then yeah. But we shouldn't be relying on penalties. We really shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. So we'll go into the Barnsley game. I wasn't there, you were... Was it any good? Um, it's just... We could put this on loop, actually. It would save everybody a lot of time. Um, they have no shots. They get breakthrough. The bloke walks all across the penalty area, does a Cruyff turn, walks all the way back and thinks, nobody's going to tackle me. And, to be fair, hits a worldie. But before that, we've hit the post, we've hit the crossbar, and then we're fighting to come back. Uh, we come back... As, as you would expect us to do and then we blow it again and it's just as much as I can understand why everybody's fed up with the manager I'm pretty much fed up myself I think the players are getting away scot-free because it's quite clear there is no winning mentality in the football team at all I would just rather them a lot of people said at the end of Pulis Reigns the, the football was awful I would have loads of ugly one-on-wins don't watch this it's um everybody knows now if you just shoot at stoke you score and um so no the, the match was not great uh, you play in a team that isn't great you don't play great yourself and you make mistakes it's a recipe for a disaster and that's what we're doing we we're making ourselves uh making it so hard the one thing that really bothered me and it bothered me yesterday, was the fans. And I know we're going to talk about that later. So that's my take on the Barnsley game. How disappointed were you after the game? Uh, to be honest, I I was just pleased we got a draw, to be honest, because I thought we were going to lose 1-0, as, as yeah. I predicted last weekend, obviously. Um, and that's what I'm playing for now. I just want to win the predictor. I'm 2-0 up. Um, I should have been 4 after this week, but it didn't work out. Yeah, you're 2-0 two, two up in your own mind. You won't be winning this predictor, unless, of course, it's in your own own mind. Well, I'm winning, and so it, it's okay. it, it's not not far away now, so yeah. unless you start predicting these right, 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 <laughs> which you're not going to, because you keep saying Stoke win. <laughs> I will, well, I shall go over the top on Wednesday. Uh, just a word for Lewis Baker with his goal at Barnsley. It was a brilliant goal, absolutely brilliant. And um, what has been a bad season so far, he is certainly one of the better signings. 
Yeah, he's, he's been a marvel anti you. He's still a bit hit and miss, but you know, when he's scoring better than the strikers at the moment, it does tend to make me go, yeah, he's a decent sign. And he is, he's a good lad as well. I listened to an interview after the Barnsley game. Seemed a bit shy and a bit, um, well, a bit a bit surprised that he's getting the attention he's getting at Stoke. But I think this is where he's knuckling down and trying to work hard now after what's been going on. I mean, yeah. was he your man of the match against Barnsley? Probably not. Probably Joe Allen was. Um, I think Joe Allen was um, was absolutely fantastic, and I think he's been fantastic since he came back from his injury, and he was also excellent yesterday. So, do you want to start now on the fantastic thing of yesterday? Uh, yeah, we'll go into drum roll the player ratings against Peterborough United. So we go straight right, well, in. No, I want to. I want to uh, say what made my day at Peterborough yesterday. Right, come on. Mind. What made your day? No, listen. You, you're being horrible with me now. You're thinking, oh God, she's off again. We got there early because you know you can uh, sometimes get traffic. So we get there early and we're having a wander around. And it's not the best stadium in the world. It's an old-fashioned stadium. And. I didn't think I'd ever say this, but the highlight of the day was meeting Peter Burrow, the rabbit mascot of Peterborough. Oh, yeah. He was on the pitch. It's, a, it's obviously a fully grown human being. It is not before you start thinking a rabbit. <laughs> he was doing his warm-ups, and it was quite bizarre. I'm sure he's a former footballer. But anyway, that was the highlight of the day, meeting Peter Burrow. That should tell you something about the game. And I'm now really sad that I turned down a meeting with their Bob the Builder because for some unknown reason they have a Bob the Builder and at half-time they have a uh, a little competition for kids called Get the Ball in the Skip. I guess that gives you an idea of what it's all about. And I did think at that point, could our lads go on and practice because it was the nearest they were going to get to scoring. So there you go, there's my highlights. It, it might because, you know, kids years ago used to kick the ball into the stadium from outside the ground. <laughs> if we could just kick the ball, I'd be happy. And, you know, that's kicking a ball into a skip, isn't it? But, yeah, uh, oh, that's entertaining. I'm glad, I'm glad you told You showed me the picture yesterday of you in at Nigel with, with Peter Burrows, who, let's be honest, is probably going to be a ex-footballer. And that could be a, somebody find out who the ex-footballer is, who, who is the rabbit. Yeah, well, he wasn't as good as our old Harry Burrows, but there you go, that's all. No, well, he was a good player. You could do with him now, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Right, so we'll go in straight away with Jack Bonham. Hmm. Well, he made made, um, another one of those Jack Bonham-type saves where he spilled a cross, and I think the ref would have given a foul, although it wasn't, um, and sort of heart-in-mouth time at that moment... The most he's getting off me is a four. Uh, he gets a five from me. Uh, spilled everything. Not good enough for the team. You know, another signing that I look at and go, good job he's free. You know, because if it was a player that we paid money for, you'd be really disappointed with Jack Bond. He's just not good enough for the level, is he? You know, he should no. be somewhere like a crew, somewhere like that, let's be honest. Yeah, and also, uh, I still can't get my head around why he's playing and not Bursic, but that's probably nothing that we'll ever know about why that is. No, I've got a feeling I know what it is, but we're not going to talk about it on air in case I'm wrong. Yeah. Right, so now we're going to Dehani. Yeah, um... I'm trying to be really kind here. I've never really thought he was a great fullback, 
I didn't really think I would ever see him playing in the first team apart from early rounds of cup competitions. He's okay going forward. At Barnsley, he kept getting lost in defence. Yesterday, he hit the post with a what I think was a cross, but he hit the post very early after two minutes, and he and he did get into some decent positions. Um, but the fact that he was taken off uh, and replaced, I'm giving him a four-two. I'll go on with a three as with Dahani. I thought he was very hit and miss. I think first half he looked all right. And I've been a bit of a fan of him since he came in. I thought, yeah, he looks steady, he looks all right. But the last two games, he's been all over the place. He seems like he gets lost when he's running back. He seems like he doesn't know exactly what his position is. No, I would agree. And, you know, he got caught, I think, five or six times yesterday. He had a really poor game. And I couldn't understand why he was subbed off. Um, there's obviously been a fallout between the manager and Tommy Smith, in my opinion. Even though well, I think Smith's injured, to be fair. Is he? Yeah. Well, that's I, don't think, I think he might uh, struggle to be back before the international break, but he is injured. Right, well... So that... you, you, there you go, that means I've won one there, so we're now down to 2-1. Well, you? You, you are close to the club compared to me where I've got to get information off. Yeah, but you only need to read the local paper to see he's injured in. You've got oh. one there, so bad luck. Yeah, but people don't read the paper anymore, Hans. Come on, hold <laughs> on you now, come on. Embarrassing yourself now, come on. Right, so now we're moving to Josh Tymon. Now, I thought Josh Tymon was really, really good at Barnsley. And I thought he was equally as good yesterday. He, he, going down the left, he was great. You know, his crosses were good. Um, and they were good on Tuesday as well, and nobody got on the end of them. Uh, he's better on the left side than the right, and um, I thought he was very, very good seven. Uh, gets an eight from me. Uh, probably our only real starter of an attack yesterday, to be honest. He was moving yeah. down the left brilliantly. He was shouting for the ball. Again, another shout-out for Timon and his inconsistencies that we keep talking about. But I thought he played well against... Uh, Barnsley and I thought he played well again yesterday a good variation across as well the way he was putting him in low and then trying to put him high no one there but that's not his fault <laughs> you know he's, he's trying to put the ball in he's trying to get us going and he played well right so now moving to Phil Jagielke who is definitely 39 years of age I thought he didn't look fit from early doors um, he, he, was a, he wasn't his normal steady self he wasn't really his normal steady self last time he played um, I was glad he was taken off because I thought your mate would come on and do better having said that I, I think if uh, Jagielka had still been on then um, that penalty perhaps wouldn't have been given so I'm going for a 6 for Jagielka uh, I'm going to go a 4 uh, to be honest it looked like he was, he was playing with one leg from straight away, really, he looked knackered. He looked, he looked his age again. Um, it seems like whatever we do with these players, it seems like they start off well these new signings and then fade away. <laughs> and Jaggy Elk has done that again. Um, I thought yesterday he was forced off because he he just wasn't fit. He, you could see he wasn't fit, and I can't understand why the manager hadn't picked up on that either. You know, he was he looked he looked injured after the first two minutes. Well, I hope he's I hope he's fit for um, the Wednesday game. Well, that's okay because we we need him fit and fully fit because a player like that of his age he needs to be fully fit and yesterday he didn't look it at all. Right now we're moving to the next player that you know I'm still still angry still at the club but he's here. 
James Chesty. Now, I thought he was really good at Barnsley. I thought he looked much better in the centre of, of the back, which he did again yesterday. And then he goes and makes, well, let's say it was just an unfortunate uh, bit of a faux pas. And um, his tackle sort of gave that big brute of a Clark Harris the chance to score. And he took his goal very well. And because of that, he's getting, I'm not going to say he was unfortunate. I'm just going to give him a five. Yeah, I'll follow up with a five. I thought, um, to be honest, uh, Clark, what's his name? Clark Harris was yeah. was all over him, to be honest. I think Barnsley did well, but he was up against, let's be honest, a very, very poor striker at Barnsley. But yesterday, he was he was knocked all over the place. He, he was completely... He, he, he couldn't handle that Clark Harris. And he's a player that, for me, we should be very much looking at if they, if they go down, in my opinion. We're crying out for a striker like him. And I would have just called him a big bruiser, and I think we we need better than big bruisers. I, I, I think we need big bruisers, big battle hardened bruisers that will knock the ball in the back of the net because that's that's the problem yeah, we at the need moment. Somebody that's ugly to win ugly, and I guess he'd fit the bill. Exactly, because you know at the end of the day we haven't got anybody who can knock people around and score goals. I mean, if no. we could get if we had one striker that could score goals, we're on a winning, and that's that's the thing. Right, so now we move into Howard Bellish. He defended well. Uh, he certainly stepped up. You know, Stoke were trying to play quite a high defensive line yesterday and he stepped up forward all the way. I still think there's mistakes in him um, and I'm giving him a six. Uh, I'm going to give him a seven, actually. Uh, Haywood Ballish. Uh, Haywood Ballish. Keep calling him Haywood. Uh, to be honest, I thought he was good in the high line, keeping the press and trying to stop them from breaking through. Um, I think he's our best defender, to be honest, at this moment in time. It's a shame he's on loan. The club needs to do everything they can get him on a permanent basis. That's just my opinion. Um, he, he has got mistakes in him, don't get me wrong, but he, he hasn't played a lot of football, has he? He hasn't been knuckled down to somewhere where he can concentrate on football because he's out on loan all the time. But I think he, the way he was pressing, trying to get the ball forward, trying to bring the midfielders into the game, I thought he was our best player, so he gets a seven for me in the defence. Right, so now we go into Joe Allen. Well, as I said, I thought Joe Allen has come back and been a much better player since he was out. And his assist uh, for Brown was good. I mean, Brown made the goal. But um, I thought he was really, really good and he's getting an eight from me. Uh, I'm going to follow up with a seven. I thought he was good, Joe Allen. Um, a great assist for the goal, of course. And he kept drawing defenders in to try and create space for other players. And it seems like, to me, a player that's trying to either earn a new contract or impress another club. Because where was this Joe Allen earlier on in the season? Before yeah. Christmas. Yeah. So I'm a bit miffed about that because I'm a bit thinking to myself, well, why couldn't you play like this last season or the season before? Because since January, he's been playing amazing. I've got to be honest. Uh, and long may it continue because you never know there might be an opportunity for a contract but my, I think personally he's looking for some Italian isn't he and that's yeah it. I think he'll go back to Wales yeah I th- Wales, Wales oh no I think he's going to go Celtic no he won't he'll go back to Wales right so now we'll talk about Lewis Baker well the thing about Lewis Baker is he's always looking to, to lift the tempo and, and move us on a bit and you know now we've gone from oh god he's going to miss this penalty to well, Lewis Baker will score this penalty. I think that's his sixth goal in 11 games. Um, I thought he was really good. I thought he was very calm. There was never any doubt he was going to score. Seven from me. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go on with a seven as well. I thought he was brilliant, Baker. He was forcing the tempo, keeping the possession, trying to bring Joe Allen in and get, get him away. He, his penalty taking is amazing. First one we've seen for a long time that can hit a penalty since Walters, probably, to be honest. And yeah, I like him alongside Thompson. I think there's a bit of a partnership growing there for maybe next season. But very good, very good performance from Baker. Right, now we're going to Jordan Thompson. Thompson was very good again. Thought he was good at the other night too. He links well with Josh Tymon on the left, and but he also he got a few balls in himself. You know, um, I like him, and I think I think what you said about the partnership with Baker is good. And I actually liked the midfield of Alan Baker and Thompson. I thought it was really really good. He's getting a seven. Uh, yeah, another seven from me as well. I think midfield wise yesterday he got it bang on. Um, I like Baker in the middle. The energy Alan was bringing energy as well and Thompson was bringing that bit of quality his crosses were there his passes were pretty much on, on top I think he completed all but two passes that he made yesterday and he, he did link up with time and he was putting little thread throughs and I think he works well because he knows that position because he used to play on the left didn't he for Blackpool so yeah. a bit of a knowledge between the two but it also means it brings timing into the game more because a lot of the time and I've said it and I've been complaining about it a lot where timing has been standing around with his mouth open but when Thompson's around, he brings him into play, and it's a yeah, good definitely. thing. So now we need a right-sided version of that for next season, yeah. if, obviously, we haven't got a new manager, which we're going to talk about after as well. Uh, right, so now we're going to Brown. Well, like Alan Baker, I think Brown was really good again. Um, I thought he was really well-worked goal you know I thought it wasn't the easiest of goals to score he took it well uh, Steve Clark was actually sitting just in front of us watching him um, the one surprising thing for me was how he, he had to switch to like a wing back in, in the second half when he made some changes but Jacob Brown uh, I think has been one of the purchases of Michael O'Neill's tenure at Rainerstoke because um, I think he's been really good value for what they paid for him and I'm going to give him an 8 uh, I'm going to follow up with a nine. Jacob Brown okay. yesterday thought he was the best player on the pitch. He was linking everybody up. He was working well with Joe Allen on the right side when he did come on, uh, when he did drop to that position. Sorry, and to be honest, I think he'll start for Scotland in the next game as well. I think he's been brilliant. It, the the yeah. chance he took was a difficult chance to take as well. It was a great finish, and we've been moaning about him for a long time. That I think. I don't think he's an instant touch striker. That we, I think that's pretty obvious to see now where, you know, balls come quick and he's got to react and put them in the net. But when he's got time and think and think about it, he scores good goals. And yeah, true. yesterday he impressed me a lot. And I think he, he has been probably Michael O'Neill's best signing. I've got to be honest, there hasn't been many. But he's been a good acquisition. And now he's an international. He's only going to get more confidence and, and stronger for Stoke. So good to see it happening. Right, now we move on to the last player, Stephen Fletcher. Um, there was a time when you thought Stephen Fletcher was the answer to all our woes last season. I thought it was really poor yesterday. He's, to me, he's, I think he's pretty done. Five. Uh, I'm going to with a two, to be honest with you, yesterday for Stephen Fletcher. I think he won with a couple, a couple of headers. Uh, no... No real point to him playing really. Uh, didn't even link well with Brown, which which he has done pre and previous matches. And 
I'm surprised he was even picked, to be honest. It was a bit of a surprise yeah. to me to see Fletcher back in the side for some reason, I but I think desperate measures call for desperate players, and that's one of them. And let's hope he enjoys Hibernia next season. Right, so now we're going to Magic for Dunhanny. Now, I'm a bit confused about Josh Magic because when we signed him, he looked good with his link-up play and he looked good around the edge of the box. For the vast majority of the last match against Barnsley and the match, the last home match, he was uh, played as a out-and-out bloke that they were flying, flying the balls over the top for him to run onto. He hadn't got enough pace, as I said. Um, when he came on yesterday... As the half went on, he got more involved, but he wasn't able to get on the end of any crosses or any passes. Um, the one thing he did do was won a clear penalty. It was an absolute stonewall penalty. Not only did he have his shirt, he got his leg taken from under him too, but I can only give him a six. Uh, I'll go over five, like always, for subs in. I, 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 do, I do think there is a good player in Josh Marger. I think he just needs to be played right. And he needs to be fit. The fact of the matter is, yeah, he's barely been training. He hasn't kicked a ball since last season when he was at Fulham. We brought him in, sort of just like thrown him into the fire, and the lad in a fit. And it's we've been saying it for weeks about Campbell. It's the same for Magic. The, the lad's got to get his sharpness back, and it's going to take six months to do that. For me, I'd still get him permanently and see what he can do properly next season. But. Okay. You know, he's just not fit. And he, he was so unlucky because it was a clear and obvious penalty. It was, it was the clearest and obvious of all on, without yeah. a question of it. And, you know, it's one of them, really. Right, so we go with Ben Wilmot for Phil Jagielka. Now, I'd just like to say at this point that um, Ben Wilmot is... Uh, would you call him the apple of your eye? Uh, not anymore, no. Right, so you've gone off him. Yeah, yeah, he's done it to himself, to be honest. Right. Okay, well, seeing as you know so fickle, I think the boss brought him on, obviously, when Jagielka went off, to just get rid of the ball, keep things simple, get the ball out of the penalty area and hang on to the win. Right? And he gave away the penalty. Four. Uh, I'll go in with it too, again, for Ben Wilmot. I thought it was poor again. Um, we know why he came on, because Jagielka wasn't, wasn't fit from the beginning, to be honest. To be honest, Ben Wilmot should have started, to be honest. But I've noticed with Wilmot, whenever he comes off the bench, he seems to be a bit skittish. He seems to be a bit all over the place, like he's yeah. struggling. I think at times he's one of them players. There's been a lot of players like that that you know are starters but not subs, and I think he's one of them because he was he was poor yesterday. Stupid tackle, didn't he do it? The the player the player had a lot to do. There was he was going nowhere really. He didn't need to put his foot in like that, and it was silly. No question about it, which is why I get such a low mark. Right, so now Campbell for Thompson. Uh, well, he sort of came on wide left. Stoke were playing 4-2-4 by then. Um, he did okay on the wing, but uh, for me, uh, he's nowhere near back to his best. And um, I think this is just going to be a spluttery season for him. I'll give him a six. Uh, five again, as normal for subs. I thought um, it was, to be honest, I don't, I don't understand why that sub was made. And I know we need to get players up there and try to bring a bit of width, but we weren't getting anywhere with the width anyway. You know, it seemed like a bad tactical choice to bring that 
4-2-4 on because we were going nowhere. We, we, we were struggling to get around the back for me. Peterborough was starting to take advantage of the loss of Thompson. And I think that's where the, the equaliser did come in, in the, chat, the obvious chance that came for, from it. Um, I just don't understand the sub because I thought we were doing all right with Thompson in that midfield area. I don't understand why Thompson went off is what I'm struggling with. But, yeah, he didn't have a lot to do and he didn't have a lot of time to do anything, to be honest, and he isn't fit and we just got to hope next season he's fully fit with magic. That's what we've got to hope for. Right, subs at Wayne News, Berzik, Varanchi, Sawyers and Wright Phillips. What's going on with Wright Phillips, Andrew? It's, I've had 15 questions this week about what's happened to Wright Phillips. Well, the only answer I can give you is the answer that, um, I'm, you know... Uh, I think he doesn't want to play him for whatever reason, clearly. But he said he watched him midweek in the reserves, the under-23s, sorry. And um, he played well. He didn't have his best game, but like always, he lives everything on the pitch. So I don't think it'll be long before he's back in the game. Well, um, I, I hope so, but I'm not sure why he's been left out. It seems to be strange, wasn't it? Because he come on and you know lit the place up, and then all of a sudden can't even get off the bench now. It's it's a bit of a shame. But also another question I got this week is where is Philogene Bedace? Well, you see, these people obviously are your mates. Philogene Bedace on Thursday twisted his knee in training, so he wasn't available for selection. Right, so he, so he broke it. I mean, twisted his knee and and is out for the rest of the game. Well, for this game. No, well, uh, he was out. He was out for the game, um, and he'd been injured before that. So he made his comeback last week. Uh, felt his knee when he was training on Thursday, and it was bad, so that he couldn't play. So um, we just seem to have either people who've got paper mache joints or very bad luck. Well, it seems like that. Yeah, Simi has disappeared off the face of the earth, but I think he did play midweek, didn't he, for the under-23s. And, yeah, Magic doesn't seem to be fit. It seems to be that we've brought a lot of players that aren't fit to the club in this, like, these last couple of windows, by the looks of it. Yeah. Right, so before we move on to that, there's just a quick question as well about Nick Powell. This is a bit of a... A difficult one for me because I can't. I don't know how to answer it really. They say, "Would you keep Nick Powell or not?" And I'm at this stage now where I'm thinking, "Would I keep him or not?" Because he seems to be injured a lot. Well, that's why. Um, that's why he never sort of made it at the top level. That and probably his temperament when when he went to Man U. But um, there's something that I find quite odd about all this talk about would you keep him or not. It's not even really should be up for debate at the moment because there is a contract extension for 12 months at the moment. They'll trigger that. So Powell, unless somebody comes in and offers money and uh, he wants to go, Powell will still be at Stoke next year. However, you can't build a team around a player that is hardly playing. You just can't. It's a, I think that's got a real big... Um, indicator to why our seasons keep falling apart you know? yes I agree because we, we're reliant on Nick Powell we did so well until he got that injury and then he had the long injury the second injury and he's not come back the same player and the points have dried up so there does seem to be a link towards can we rely on Powell to do that and keep us keep us going because obviously Michael O'Neill centres a lot of the way we play around Powell 
but it seems to be a, a bit of a negative and positive because he gets us going but then gets injured and, and we've lost his point of attack. But you, you know, nobody will ever doubt how good he is. The quality he has at, at, at this level, and probably at lower Premiership level, is is without doubt. But you just, ne- he's not going to be kept fit. He's got glass legs. So it's one of them we've got to think about next season, into the end of next season, if he is. Yeah. With yeah. viable keeping. Then again, keeping. You, go, you could go. We could actually go through the team, Ian. In this, this is just my opinion. I don't think Bonham's anywhere near good enough. Don't think, don't think you can build a championship winning team or a team in the playoffs with him in goal. That I don't think Bursic is ready yet. Um, but I understand why they kept him rather than Davies because eventually I do think he'll be better. But we we need another experienced goalkeeper. If you if you if you go through the team, I don't think Tommy Smith will be with us next season. I don't think he's been as as good as he should be. I think timing will stay. You hope Suter comes back well. Allen, we've already discussed. We think he'll go. Baker's probably going to have his name on the team sheet first now. Campbell, I still think he's at a crossroads. Brown, as I said, he's probably the most improved player we've had for ages. Um, Philogene Bedace, we won't have him. And and t- t- what's his name? Tyler Harwood Bellis, we, prob- we probably will be able to get. But the thing with players like that is. You don't know till the last minute if they're coming back. Because other clubs have a, have a look at them and see if... I mean, Philogene Bidet, so I'd love to have him back, but I don't think we will. But if we do, it'll be right at the end of the season. Um, I think I've missed out uh, DiMaggio Wright-Phillips. He just needs to, to get a bit more streetwise, so you'd play him probably a bit more. Uh, Fletcher, he'd be gone tomorrow for me. And Chester, I think he should go too. Would you keep Ange the way you're going well, there? Well, I just told you, I'd keep Bursic. <laughs> uh, I'd keep Tymon. Suter will be back. Baker. Uh, Brown. Uh, Powell, we already know. Uh, DiMaggio, right, Phillips. And the other two, I think, will go. So, when you look at the team, there's going to be another rebuilding job to do in the summer. I know, again. And I think this is having a big, a big impact on why we're struggling as well, is that... There's, there's too many coming in and out every window, isn't there? That, that's the problem. Yeah, but I think this one is the last window. I think this this summer uh, will be the last time I think we can actually say that we can start building again this summer. Because this what happens a lot in League 1, League 2 level, isn't it? Where yeah. th- there's like 15, 16 going and then 12, 13, 14 coming in and, and you can't really build a spine of a team for the long term, can you, when there's, there's so much... Well, moving really of, of players, you know, we, we need to build something and build something quicker, really, because it seems like whenever we look at the squad, it's like, oh, well, we haven't got him next year. He's not going to be here. He's not going to be here. And, and, but the, the thing that's even more frightening, I don't mind the ones that are going to go. You know, yeah. it's all right if it was like a player that you're thinking, oh, we keep hold of him. But like for me, everyone's saying Joe Allen goes. I'm not bothered. I'm not going to sit there and lose any sleep about Joe Allen going as long as we can replace him. No, but then then you take somebody like Ben Wilmot, who when he came in, taking all the jokes aside now, and yes, you loved his long hair, but when he came in, he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He was brilliant playing in the defence. He was brilliant playing as, as a, a, on the right side, as, as a right-sided full-back, wing-back. He, he was really good. And then something's happened. His form's dropped off a cliff. And it happens with so many Stoke players. 
And it's happened a lot under Michael O'Neill's reign. Yeah, and it's happened a lot under other people's reign. But yeah, I agree with what you say. And I don't know why that is. And I, I dare say he wouldn't, otherwise he'd fix it. But that's the worry for me. We've got players that, um, well, we just, um, there's just not, it's just not right. No, it isn't. There's a lot of players that are dropping away. Like I said, there's a reason why I did like Ben Wilmot and I thought he was, he was going to be a big prospect to the future. Because the first 10 games, he was brilliant. I think there was one bad game out of the 10. He looked like a proper modern centre-back, picking the ball from deep, defending well and helping support the midfield. But that player's gone. Yeah. You look at players like, uh, what's his name? That useless striker we got from Bournemouth, um, Sam Surridge. When he first came in, he looked like he, he could hit the ball well. Then all of a sudden, after two or three weeks, a month, stopped scoring, started missing sitters. Now, yeah. to me, players don't come in and react like that and then all of a sudden go garbage. Madger was one. First two weeks, when he didn't get coached by the manager, it actually looked his best. But since then, he's gone off the boil. He, he brings nothing to the table whenever he started. So, we have to look a lot really here into what's going on with the manager there's still a hell of a lot of pressure on him at the moment and now I'd probably say the pendulum swung now to people wanting him gone and to be honest yeah and I understand that too but what what I will say is that just going back to Ben Wilmot and, and why he isn't playing it just came into my head as you were talking I think he's had nine bookings and if he gets another one it, I think he's got a two match suspension so that could be why he's keeping him on the bench but well, that makes no sense, Ange. Just get the booking out of the way. If, yeah, you, if, you, get, if you get a we've still got, we've got Chester, we've got these players. He's kept him and, and he gave Chester a contract at the start of this season. So if he doesn't trust him, why did he give him that contract? Yeah, I'm not disputing that. I'm not disputing that at all. You, you know, I know we've got Harry Suter out, but there's no excuse now on defenders because we've got, we've brought three in in this, Jan, in this January window and he's still got all, most of the old ones. Only Danny Bat, I think, left from the centre-back. So we're, we're, we're awash with centre-backs yeah. at the moment. And for me, to not play one of your better ones because you're scared he's going to get a booking is just silly, in, in my opinion, because that means it's a clear and obvious statement that you don't trust the man that you decide to give a contract to. Yeah, but look, the biggest problem with our football team at the moment, and nobody needs to be Einstein, we haven't got the mentality... To win the mental strength of this current squad for whatever reason is not good enough to grind out a win no it isn't it isn't it's absolutely right it, it isn't it, it started so well again and has faded away now for me that goes down to one man we, we know who it is there's got to be one man who motivates the players the players I take a lot of the criticism I'm not going to stand here and say all those 11 players on the pitch well more because of course subs as well they need to take a lot, a good long hard look at themselves if they want to work do, with this manager. It's true, Ian, because what you've said, you, you can blame him for picking the team, you can blame him for signings, but all these players on the pitch, we all criticise them. We couldn't do a thing that they do, you know. As professionals, they get decent money, even though the money's less than they get in that they used to get at Stoke. They can all make mistakes, right? But. They, as you've said, need to have a good look at themselves because I think the problem is we don't have enough leaders. We don't have enough leaders that go around that team and say, "Oi, you, pull your weight," or you know, "I'll sort you out off this pitch." We don't have enough people that do that. I, I panic set in yesterday. Yeah. 
panic setting at Barnsley. It's horrendous. I, I agree. I don't think it's so much leaders. I think the problem with this team is character. There's not yeah, enough okay. character same, in this team. Yeah, same for me. Character leaders. Because the, the thing is, I think we have got leaders in there. I think we've got Jaggy Elkin. I think we've got, um, what's his name, uh, Joe Allen. And I think even Baker shouts around well. I mean, I don't think he's a captain, but he is He is a bit of a leader from what I'm seeing. But there's no characters in there. There's no people who are going to get you by the throat and go, right, up your game now, like an Overson or even Johnny Walters, players like that. And this has been a problem for a while it's not just it's been six years it's not just now where we've struggled for characters I mean giving Joe Allen the captain's armband for me was a joke I think we're really really missing our suitor now um, I think he was for me he should be captain next season if Joe Allen goes I think yeah. Suter is a natural leader I think he's I, a very I'd good player yeah, I, I think prefer, preferably I'd like Suter because I think Suter he's captain of his country and he's not even 23 and I think there's got to be something in there for that. He was, I think he was vice-captain once until he got injured. We've got a good leader there. We're missing him badly. And hopefully we can get him back. But for me at this moment in time, I'm starting to bend towards the fans now. I think Michael O'Neill is, is running out of ideas. And it showed that for me with Dehani playing and Stephen Fletcher playing. It, it seems like panic mode's it now, where it's just play whatever he can to hope, hope get a result. I've seen this before. It's sad. Because I think this, I think Michael O'Neill does deserve more time, and, and I've I've said it before on other con, on on the podcast before that I'd give him till the end of the season, but unless there's drastic change in the way we're playing, which doesn't look like it's going to happen, because it, it's exactly the same as last season where we couldn't buy a win, and it's happening again now. We've just played against two of the worst teams in the Championship, two teams that let, shouldn't be playing at this level in Barnsley and Peterborough, and we struggled to break round them with players who were on good money and players that have played at higher levels, and we still couldn't get any kind of form together against them two teams. It's not good enough. And a lot of that does go down to the manager. And I'm not going to sit here and say I want him gone, but at the end of the season, unless there is drastic change, the club better start looking for other candidates. And that's that's my opinion on the matter. What's your opinion, Ange? I don't have one anymore. You don't have one? <laughs> I, I, I cannot see any major changes happening um, in the managerial department of Stoke City till at least Christmas, if then. It, well, to be honest, I'm a bit worried about that because we've we've done this before where we've given managers too long. I mean, Mark Hughes, it was, it was two, two and a half seasons too long, <laughs> if we can yeah. remember back then. Um, we've done this before when we've held fire. Nathan Jones was a terrific example of where we've held fire too long as well. For me, he's got to prove himself. Instead of going, well, you've got till this time, you've got till that time. End of the season, no drastic change in a tough time, you aren't good enough for the job. Right, so the next question then is, who are you going to have in? And don't, please, please, don't assume whoever you say will want to come to this football club. And I'll give you a couple of points before you say anything. Dean Smith did fantastic at Aston Villa. Hasn't got a note out of Norwich City. Steve Bruce, gone to West Brom because the other bloke wasn't scoring, wasn't winning. They've already scored. They haven't won since they changed Steve Bruce. I don't want Steve Nathan Bruce. Jones. I wanted him gone. You wanted him gone. Everybody wanted him gone. 
he's doing a great job at Luton, whatever we think. Yeah, he is, whatever yeah. we think, he's doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, he's a good manager. I, I yeah, said, I said that when he got sacked. He's not doing a bad job at Millwall. He's a good manager. Something yeah. is wrong higher up the food chain than the managers. Something suffocates the managers at Stoke City. Whether that's the fans, whether it's the fans' expectations, it certainly won't be the owners in terms of they get given everything that they want. My belief is there is not enough nous very close to the board, not enough football nous very close to the board, and everything is given to the manager to do what he wants. You know, there has got to be a strategic plan in place at any football club so that if one person goes out, somebody else comes in and carries on that plan. Having said that, you cannot fault Michael O'Neill for bringing through the likes of Nathan Collins, who we then sold for some good money. Whether we wanted to sell him or not is irrelevant. He had to be sold. He's brought through the likes of Campbell that was going to leave, DiMaggio Wright-Phillips, uh, Forrester, Taylor, Tezgal. So there is some good in the bloke. It's just that, in my opinion, there isn't a consistent plan. So now you pick, as you said you were going to, you pick the manager you want that can start all over again and turn Stoke into a championship winning team. Well, for me, yeah, I think you bring back Tony Peelers. Yeah, well, that would be great. <laughs> but he's going to come. <laughs> now, for, for me, it, it's got to be considered at the end of the season, Antis, because, like I say, I, I, there's no point firing now because we're we're safe, and it, it gives him that opportunity to earn himself back in. I mean, with a lot of people, I, I think I think it's passed. But we know what Stoke fans are. We're going to discuss Stoke fans as well after this. But in my opinion, I, I would like to see a foreign manager come to Stoke and follow, okay. and follow the routes of Brentford and, and other people. Look look abroad. I know there's a, a, a manager in Sweden. I wish, well, if I knew we were going to ask this question, I would have checked his name. Who's got a team two times promoted and, and got them in a Europa League spot at the moment. Now, that's the kind of man that I want. Somebody who's done that. I know we had Nathan Jones who had a similar that. But for me, I wouldn't mind giving John Terry a go. Just, just my opinion. I'd like to see a man who's who's got good coach, who's got, been a good coach. He's been assistant manager for a long time. Who does want a job? Does want give it a go? And is a leader. And there's no no better than John Terry for me. I'd like to see somebody with completely fresh ideas, not where they come in and look at look at what they've got and change things. Just somebody that could do something like that. Like look at Rooney. Nobody thought Rooney was going to do that at Derby. But no, if it wasn't for FFP or the points deduction, he'd probably take them up this year. That's yeah. how well he's done there. And, and for me, yeah. a novice, somebody who's new to the game, who who's enthusiastic about it and wants to do some good, that's what I want. I want a young manager who wants to get us going. And there's no better than him for me. And he'd, he'd take the job because he wants to get into management. Okay. That, that's who my opinion is. I'd, I'd like to see John Fine. Terry coming in and be given a go. It was my choice after Nathan Jones, but they went for Michael O'Neill. And I think Michael O'Neill is a good manager. And I agree with you that there is something starving. And we know what it is. There's not enough people up there that know what they're doing. There's not enough people in modern football that bring a statistic base. The problem is with us, we give too much power to the manager. Yeah, I agree. Instead of giving him what he needs. Because a manager, you know, you can get only purely some real old style managers know a good player from a quick interview or looking or whatever. Yeah. Modern managers don't know these things. They aren't yeah. trained on that. They're, they're trained to coach 
and, and get a formation out and get a team to play. Not standing there going, hmm, I wonder if I could bring that left back in. It doesn't work like that. That's why Nathan Jones succeeded at Luton and failed at Stoke. He put a thing in, he put a transfer request in for Potts, uh, not Potts, um, James Justin, the right back Jack Stacey, and the club couldn't get them. So instantly his whole plan fell apart. And yeah, and, and the other thing though, you know, I, I wouldn't say that John Terry would be a bad yeah, that for for me with John Terry though, it's for me sometimes having no expect no experience is is actually a good thing. You I'm know, not disputing that, Ian. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't give him a, a, an interview myself, but I just don't think the board will go that way because you look at the track record of of Stoke City and they just don't take those sort of chances. It's a shame though, isn't it? Because we, we absolutely for, for me the biggest problem with with Stoke is they don't learn from their own successes. That's no. that's the problem. It's like years yeah. ago when we signed Ryan Shawcross from an academy, an academy player, a young player, and he worked out brilliantly. Well, a more than brilliant, amazing, probably the best player in in modern history of Stoke. But then he yeah. never did it again. No, nope. it, it's it's like when you look at the managers like Tony Warrington, like I've just said, never managed before give us our best times as a football club and then we've never done it again no and it, it, for me I, I've, I've always said this that the clubs it, it, it seems it seems like it's stronghold by stubbornness for me it, yeah a conservative family but I, I, I will say this to you that once FFP is done that conservative family will give the management team a load of money that might well be thrown down the drain again. But let me leave you in no doubt that the family will try and buy their way back up to the top again. And we are very lucky that the family own a very, very successful business because whilst I wouldn't want to pee one million down the drain, they did 58 million in one transfer window and they'll do it again. Yeah, they will. will do it again. If they believe it will get them up, they will do it again. Yeah, I agree with it that they will spend the money. They will. There's no question they will. But when there's no plan in place... Absolutely. If, and if, when, you, when if, you have a manager and you give him all the power and then that manager goes and the next load come in and they say, I don't want this player, I don't want that player, I don't want this member of staff. So, I mean, if they get rid of Michael O'Neill, yeah, OK, it won't, it won't bother them in terms of... Their, well, I'm saying it won't bother them, it would break my heart. But in, in terms of finance... They could pay them all off tomorrow. But in terms of how it's going to improve the football club, it isn't because you're just constantly going back to starting again. Well, we've done it now three times, haven't we? Because, you know, Paul Lambert's, you know, he didn't have much chance. I mean, where that decision was made, frightening, to be honest. Yeah, it was. But when you look at the managers that have been there, these are not bad managers. I don't no. care what anybody says. Nathan and I Jones have no is a great manager. Michael O'Neill will be snapped up as soon as he leaves Stoke City, and he'll do a great job. Yeah, he will. He will. There's no Absolutely. question of it. So that's why I say something else is wrong at this football club. Now, you can't still say a lot of people had it in for Tony Scholes. You can't say it's him. I honestly don't know what it is, but there is clearly something not right. And the only thing I can come up with is that they don't have some wealth of experience advising the board from a football perspective. They clearly don't. They may well not want it. They don't run their other businesses like that. But I, 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 there's something wrong. Um, 
better get on anyway. We're just repeating ourselves. Yeah, we are. Well, I say we are, you are. Um, yeah. Right, so you, you've got a question that we wanted to discuss on the podcast about the fans you wanted to bring up. Yeah, um, I, look, you know I'm chair of the Supporters Council. Um, I had lots of mails after Wednesday at Barnsley, Tuesday at Barnsley, and I had loads of mails last night about the disgusting behaviour of some of our fans. Now, I heard it on Tuesday... I had a friend that was that just missed out on the fracas where the fighting amongst your own fans was going on. Quite a decent bloke, said it was scary. You've got old people in that crowd, you've got young people in that crowd, you've got children in that crowd. Yesterday, they were holding flares up and people couldn't breathe. Now, you can laugh all you like, but a flare is over a 1,000 degrees centigrade, and if you get hit by one of those, you, you could be in serious... It, it is life-changing. Right, so that's the first thing. Abusing other people and, and your own fans. I mean, this is the Stoke City that nobody ever wanted to play against because their fans were all together and it was a hostile place to come. Now we're just hostile with ourselves. And I'm not saying that it, it, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be disappointed and I'm not saying that it isn't a societal issue. What I am saying is that I had 22 letters last night. Of those 22 letters, right, Six of them said they will never go to an away match again. Two of them said they will never take their children again. Which is, it's it's silly. It's, well, it's silly. wrong. It, well, we know it's wrong. It's definitely wrong. People with half a brain know it's wrong. Yeah. And the behaviour is sickening. I mean, I've, I'm always pretending that, you know, I like sitting where I'm sitting for a bit of, a bit of my business. But it's nothing to do with my, but I just like the banter. You like the banter, yeah? I like, I like having a bit of a go at them, them and them yeah. having a go at me. I was called Phil Mitchell once and my mate found it hilarious, but I didn't. But <laughs> it really didn't. <laughs> it really upset me. But uh, we, we went, we went f- f- through it a lot. But the behaviour is sickening sometimes when we're having to go at each other. And I understand the big reason of it. It's frustration. There's a lot of frustration at the moment between the Stoke fans and, and I'm not here sticking up for them. But they're frustrated and they don't know where to throw it. And that's yeah, the problem. You have to have a certain amount of ignorance, Ian. If you if you do not believe that from going shouting, um, he drinks the Guinness, he drinks the whiskey, to you getting sacked in the morning, we are SH1T and we know what we are. If we score, we're on the pitch. Do you think that that helps anybody? The most important things for me are the young players on the pitch. That does not give confidence to young lads on a football pitch trying to play. If I was a lonely player and I left Stoke and went back to where I was, I wouldn't be saying you want to go play there. The fans are fantastic. They get behind you. The place is a cauldron. They'll say, don't go there, mate. It's toxic. You have one bad match and they're on you. And that is what players will start saying. I agree with that, but it hasn't just been one game, has it? It's been pretty woeful now for about two, three months, hasn't it? We're not talking about that, but look, boo them at the end of the match. Don't boo them in the game. If you want to boo... Boom at the end of the match. Yeah, it, it, and now it, it, I'm just more depressed than hell because Arsenal have scored. Well, don't make it worse for everybody. I didn't want to know that, did I? <laughs> no. Bloody hell, you know how much I hate the Arsenal. Yeah, the what? party's over. That's a clue. Oh, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 happening more and more now at the moment. I think football hooliganism and hooliganism type things have been on the major rise over the last two years. But it seems to be happening at clubs at a lower level rather than higher. Yeah, probably because of the policing. Probably, yeah, but it's also, I think, because of just 
has football turned in a way where there's no hope in it anymore? That's one thing I heard yesterday about the about the behaviour of Stoke fans is they've lost hope and they're just throwing whatever they can and and just trying to get frustration out on the pitch rather than whatever. Because at the end yeah, of the day, that, football that is for well that, isn't it? Uh, that, but but you know, for, for me to get letters off families saying they aren't going to go, that they don't take the kids anymore. So you carry on like this, you lose your next generation of fans. Yeah, it is, and, and it will be. And it's, it's not nice. I, I agree with you. I mean, those flares should have been stopped anyway. I mean, there's supposed to be searches. I don't know how they've snuck them in. Well, to be honest, with how we get well, searched at Stoke, it's quite easy. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's not good. And let's hope that it's, it's not going to happen again. Let's hope the club does something um, and stops these kind of weird things from happening because obviously those flares are dangerous and they shouldn't be in there anyway. So yeah. whoever's got them should be banned and banned for... A long time for putting people in danger because if you, you, you especially if you have you know six seven pints or whatever and you're swinging it round someone behind you and you've just got him yeah. slapped it in his eye then you, yeah. the bloke's life changed also, forever. It's also you know the smoke and the fumes. If you've got an asthmatic in the crowd, they're in big trouble. Yeah, I've Shall been. We have I've some been good news one, yeah. now. Shall we do some good news? Do you well, want to go to the women's? If there, well, that's not going to be good news, is it? <laughs> we'll go into the women's. Go on. Well, obviously, Chloe Jones has left. Yeah. Um, you, you would tend to think that she'd left because she doesn't feel she can go any further with the club because of the lack of investment in the ladies' team, which I think is very sad. But then if you look at it realistically, uh, again, loads of people have written to the supporters' council saying this is wrong. I'd hazard a guess that if a third of those people had gone to the games, the ladies might have had uh, more people giving finance for them but the average attendance for a Stoke City ladies game is less than 30 people yeah so how can you expect the club yeah I'd love them to because obviously I want women's football I want any, every, every women's sport to do well but you can't really expect a huge amount of investment when you're only getting 30 people through the gate can you no I get that I get, I get that but for me it's no excuse there, need, there needs to be no. more investment into that team it's, it's a joke they haven't had a manager for the season right so here's the question then right if you're going to give the coaches the players the management money for playing transportation and if that came to a quarter of a million pounds in a year I'm not saying it would by the way but I think it probably would if you had things up like tax national insurance transport particularly with the price of petrol if I gained a quarter of a million a year, as a, as a male Stoke football fan, I shouldn't say male, as a Stoke football fan, would you prefer that money to go into the first team or into the ladies' team? I prefer it go into the ladies' team. Yeah, you just saying that. No, no, I would, I would. At the end of the day, I, fair enough, it's, it's men's team are garbage anyway. They'd like to be honest, if they go, it, it's just not good enough anyway. But for, just for the normal basics, I'd rather it go to the women. Well, so would I, because obviously I'm a female and I think equality is important. It's, it's but when you're a... running a business and your fans are that toxic that if you um, don't win as many matches as they want, do you think they're really going to be happy if the ladies' team gets some money? No, because at the end of the day, does it, it, it's not just about it should money should go here or there. It should be there anyway. I for, agree, for, for and basics. I agree that the women are, are getting a raw deal. It's, it's, not um, just, it's not just about money being thrown here there. They should have the basics. Travel should be should. instantly there. They should have a, a wage, maybe nowhere near the, the, the wage of a, 
of English as a first team men's football. Eventually, maybe it'd get to that stage, but at the moment, it isn't. No, in my lifetime, it won't. But I, I, I applaud what you're saying, but I see the reasons why it's not happening at the moment. And all I'd say is, all those people criticising, go and watch the ladies play. And that might have more Im- impact and, and change the thinking of the people that make these decisions. Yeah, people want to go and watch them play. That might have a bigger impact than anything that you and I can say about it, whether we both think they should or not. If, if they could get more people through the gates, right, and it's probably not for the lack of the, the standard of football, because some of the football they play is very good. Yeah, no, I've seen them a few times. I've actually enjoyed you know, the games. But, but you, they need support. Yeah, they do, they do, but, you know, they, there's no advertisement. They, they barely put them no. on the Stoke page. They, yeah. they, they don't advertise at the women's ticket sales pretty much at all. I, I mean, I could, I could, I'm on the Stoke Twitter, the Instagram, and the Facebook, and I haven't seen once an advertisement for the women's team. No. Which, which well, goes to... Ian, I'll mention that to the club tomorrow. Well, that's what I mean. It's like they're saying that's like a double-edged sword that they don't want to fund. They're saying yeah. go to the ground to watch the female, the female team, but then don't advertise the female game to go and watch. It's like bringing yeah. out a film but not advertising when it's on or when it's coming out. It, yeah. It's silly. And at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody is, a football club of any level, and I know we're a bit of a laughing stock in the female game from what I'm hearing about, that we haven't had a manage it. For the entire season so far, no, and we're nearly at the end. Chloe Jones has now left because she probably thinks it's a joke, and probably better off going to a non-league women's team because it's better funded. This, let's be honest, this is a professional football club, and we yep. can't even get a manager in and pay our our girls travel. I know. It, it's sickening, not it's just awful. it's pathetic. And, and, and you've got to bring this up, Anne, because if I was in there, you know what I'm like, I'd go bloody mental. Yeah, it's already on the agenda for the, for the next meeting. It's, it's got to be fixed. I'm not, I'm, it's, it's absolutely a joke that a football, a, a professional team's women's team doesn't have a manager for a season. Yeah. Not good enough at all. We, had a, we listened to a great um, interview from one of the coaches where you can see in his face that he doesn't know where he is. There's no... no. No involvement, nobody there, because obviously Tony Scholes has left and he might have had a little bit of something to do with it. They are completely aimless. They don't, they've got no manager. It's basically like when I was at school and the teachers would go, right, all of you go in that field and play around, do your best, we're going to go back here. And that's it. There's nobody there to coach them or guide them or tell them what the formation is and how to play because there's no one there. Yeah. Well, do you want the results? Yeah, we'll have the results. Right, well... Here's the good news. They're playing again next week. Um, the reserves, unfortunately, went down 3-2 to Wolves at the Emory Stadium, and the ladies lost 2-0 to Nottingham Forest. Well, that's, that uh, fight speech didn't go down as well as we thought, did it? No. No. But when, when there's nobody there, look at... I mean, who, who makes the subs, Ange? Um, well, it'll be one of the coaches. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, I, I completely got you there. We've got one more thing to discuss, haven't we? Yeah, we've got one more thing, and you're going to have to remind me. You can't remember what yeah, it is, I'm going to tell you it is the Prediction League, that I'm winning now, 3-2. The Prediction League, <laughs> Stoke at Cardiff midweek. Right, so I'm still winning 2-0. 
No, I'm still winning 2 0. You haven't got any right. <laughs> sprung from when you got not one right in the first 30 odd matches of the season 20 matches of the season no I, did, I didn't know I got two in a row <laughs> that's how bad we are on come on what's your prediction uh, right Cardiff I think we'll go down 1-0 oh dagger through the heart one each so you're positive then as well <laughs> <laughs> one all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got yeah, it's I, mean, I hate Cardiff at the best of times. Yeah, I can't stand them. This season, that three each is still imprinted in my brain. And if we'd have gone on for another four or five minutes, we'd have lost that match. So it's payback time on Wednesday. Payback time. Right, OK. Payback time with one all draw. Yeah, we'll have them. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a big game. I, I don't like Cardiff at the best of times. I've never liked them ever since I had coins and pies and everything thrown at me when I was a young kid when James O'Connor single-handedly sparted them. And but still to this day, the best game I've ever been. Yeah. I, I love that day from the beginning to the end. It was such a great yeah. game. Good old Solomon Alari's backside. No, we're not having that. I'm still not I... having that. Still James O'Connor sealed that goal. <laughs> Ran the full length of the pitch as well. Uh, no, <laughs> still, still the James O'Connor brace. I'm sorry, but yeah, we're, we're digressing again. So we've got nothing else to discuss now. So I think we'll wrap that up. It's been a long one, a, a frustrating one, which I think everybody can understand. It's been awful, <laughs> and yeah. let's hope. Well, it's lovely to talk to you, Ian, and I'm just, you know, you make my Sundays. I hope everybody else is having such a great time listening to this as we've had recording it. Yeah, let's hope so, because I've had some good feedback. People are laughing a lot more of the time and they aren't even listening to the football bit. So if, if, <laughs> can, if I, it... can I just say, though, you know, how we are going to live through um, a victory, we might have to do the podcast mega mix because it will be on for hours. Yeah, I think if, if that one day when we win, when we win a game... Football. I've, I forgot what it feels like. It's been that long where we've won a game. I, th- I don't think we'll do a podcast in honour of the win. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I'll just be talking to myself for three hours because I think we're going to do the, the podcast mega mix next Sunday. You heard it here first. Right, so who are we playing Saturday? Oh, yeah. Maybe we won't do the podcast mega mix. Right, so why is that? We ne- no, well, no, we better do a prediction for that one, haven't we? Right, come on then, who are we playing? We're playing uh, Gary Rowett's Barmy Army. Millwall? Yeah. We'll win 4 0. And on that note, everybody, enjoy what else you're drinking because <laughs> there's probably more chance. I think that'll be a boring non non. Oh, God's sake. We're we, 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 at home, aren't we? Yeah, so right. we are going to score. Yeah, so I might turn up. <laughs> see, see what the crack is. Um, oh, yeah. flat. Listen, I might jump in with the toxic fans uh, to celebrate the return of Mr. Howard. Only joking. I just got a feeling it's going to be Nonich. I've, I've got a feeling we'll win. No idea yeah, why. No idea why. But I think that'll we'll, sustain us during the international break. Yeah, I think we'll win one now. Are you looking forward to the international break? I am. Yeah. I am too. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I can't wait for the end of the season. <laughs> That's the no, truth. No, you're going too far now. No, no, I am. I can't wait. I've had enough already. I've, I've, yeah. It's the same as last season. I've had enough. 
I've, I just want to get to the end of the season now and let's all restart. And, and a bitter man with no tolerance level. Well, if you like watching Stoke lose, which I'm not a big fan of, then <laughs> you enjoy the rest of the season. <laughs> I've just seen them on an unbeaten run. It was. Well, we didn't lose at Barnsley. We didn't lose at Peterborough. Oh. We're unbeaten. Oh yeah, against against Barnsley, who's, who've conceded more goals than they played in the last two seasons. I think that was the first goal that they'd scored at home since December the tenth. <laughs> exactly. To like really I keep saying, Stoke City. Me, and I want to go now. I'm depressed. I know, but before we go, I'm <laughs> going to say this: Stoke is like the Christmas present that never stops giving. It's brilliant. And on that bombshell, I'm going to let you go, Ange. Thank you so much, Ian. It's lovely to talk to you. You make my week positive. I try my best. So thanks for that, Ange. So thanks for listening again. Bit of a negative one. I promised a positive one, but I think there's some positive in there that we, where we're talking about what needs to change and what needs to happen. But I put your questions out and that they were the questions you were asking. So as you well know, we're on every podcast platform and if you're on iTunes especially, if you can give me a five-star review, it means a hell of a lot to the podcast, not so much to Ange because she's miserable. Also, if you're on social media, you can follow us any on anything, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, just type in the Potters podcast, you can find us easy. So thanks for listening. ta All the best.